So here we are, and we get to talk about the profound glory and the profound treasure that is found in Jesus Christ. And we're going to see why that is such a, a necessary, such an essential part of knowing Him and living for Him and trusting in Him. And we're looking at these letters of First and Second Corinthians for this purpose that, that we would not fall into this easy, hazy, easily distracted slumber that is just a lullaby that is not very active. That yes, there is rest and there is peace with God when we trust in Him. But there's also activity. There's purpose. There's a, a, a gift of honoring Him for who He is. And the Apostle Paul is, is captivated by that. A man who had once tried to live by a very rigid uh, religious rules and, and there's nothing wrong with having rules there's not nothing wrong with being uh, pious and, and devout but he recognized that he was attempting to honor and work something in himself as if God would owe him a right to be at the table and yet in that he saw this Jesus as, as someone that came against that that said that, that, that God is holy in all that he is but there is nothing that you could do that could ever earn your right to stand before Him. And that what He was willing to do as God came to the earth as man, that He was willing to pay our price that we might all draw near. Not just a select group of people. Paul encountering this first of all in his life as uh, going by the name of Saul. And he hated it. He loathed that idea. Because he, he felt that his self-worth, his self-investment was the best treasure he could put. And seeing the grace that was demonstrated to him through Jesus, seeing the resurrected Jesus, his whole heart and life is shifted to where he recognizes that were it not for grace, I would not be who I am. But because of grace, I am not left where I was. I am, I am moving forward in a way that declares this God is glorious. And he, he writes this letter, uh, these letters of First and Second Corinthians 2 that we have out of 4 that were written. God has helped us preserve these two and, and, and kept them for the purpose of, of knowing Him. Um, they are considered inspiration for Scripture because they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so they're kept for us. But Paul is writing these letters to a church that, like him, had easily gotten distracted from the message like him, had easily been caught up in all these other activities. And they were slowly slumbering on what Jesus had done for them. So Paul, in a sense, he writes these letters and the, and the core theme is to wake up and realize who Jesus is and what He's done for you. And it helps us to, and we know that, to get away from the things that would distract us. Things that Paul would easily address in 1 Corinthians. Well, not really easily. Some of these things were very gut-wrenching, very heartbreaking. But Paul, in his love for the church, he addresses those. And then in 2 Corinthians, he begins writing to them for the purpose of them to understand now that you have your eyes open to who Jesus is, this is what it means to be repurposed for Him. This is what it means to be engaged in the ministry that He has entrusted to you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me in the honoring of God's Word as we read from 
2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the entire chapter. And like I said, please turn there in your copy of God's Word. If you need a Bible, you can use one in the pew. Um, it's on pages 1024 and 1025 is where we're going to be at. Um, maybe you don't have it in, in written form. Maybe uh, you would like to grow in the warm glow of God's Word today on your electronic device. That's okay. Um, you can do that. Um, but here we go. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, because we are shown mercy, we do not give up. I want to read that again, just, just to highlight something that's going to be an echo through here. Therefore, since we had this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the Word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake. For God has said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God, not from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit. So that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen, it's temporary. But what is seen, unseen, is eternal. Lord God, today, as we have opened up your word, and we have read an extensive amount of text today, 
that we may not actually get through the entirety of it today. Lord, help us to learn from You. Help us to hear from You. For only by hearing from Your Holy Spirit and and Your work in our hearts can life be transformed. Help us recognize Your work. Help us trust Your character. Help us follow Your lead. Help us understand Your authority. Help us live out this mission and this ministry entrusted to us. And help us never forget the treasure we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we have a lot to dig into today, so please be seated. And we will see where we get. So Paul has been moving in this letter. And, and I love reading from the Apostle Paul. The work of the Holy Spirit in his life not only gave us some theologically rich, uh, um, incredible communication to us, but it's also very poetic at times. It, it's very beautiful in how God led His pen to, to capture the words that, that we need to hear and how this beauty is on display. As we've been looking at these past few weeks, this letter, it talks about the, the triumphal procession that is found in Jesus that he goes for not as as a very quiet and and whimpering person in a bathrobe, but as a mighty general, mighty victor, the Lord and King Almighty. And he leads this procession that declares that in him death was conquered and life is available. And it's celebratory and it's fragrant and it's and it's raucous and loud. It's on display and not meant to be quiet. And then we talked about how Paul declares that that this truth that God has made known to us, it was something that was given and promised in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament is not wrong, it's just incomplete without the provision found in Jesus. So someone that you know that says, well, I I don't know if I can believe the whole Jesus thing, I I might try to practice the Old Testament. You can Don't tell them that they're wrong in that, just tell them that that what they're lacking is the complete fulfillment of what God had already promised. So if they're reading the Old Testament, it's going to point to Jesus who shared that He's the fulfillment of all these things. Law, history, wisdom, prophecy. He's the fulfillment of it all. And then here, Paul begins talking about how this gift of the truth being unveiled to us, it 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 unveils a treasure that was covered and is now found. A treasure that is worth giving all to possess. But... Even if we were to give all, we could not possess it. But Jesus gave all so that we could possess it. Only He could do that. So we're going to look in today and, 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 and consider what the Bible is teaching us about the treasure found in Christ and what it means to treasure Christ. And I'd say that both because you can use the word treasure as a noun. That it is an object, it is a possession, it is a person, it is a good thing. It's a noun. But we can also treasure something in a verb. We can cherish it. We can hold it dear. We can want it and desire it. The Bible is presenting both here as the Holy Spirit inspires the Apostle Paul to write this. So what does the Scripture present for our consideration on treasuring Christ and the treasure of Christ? Let's, Let's take consideration number one and the reason that we can treasure Jesus. Paul says, that we have this ministry, we have this purpose, we have this reason for living. We have this treasure for one simple reason and one simple reason alone. We were shown mercy. 
We were shown mercy. I, 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 when I think about that, it's just, it's really humbling to think about that. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what we're owed. Like we want to work a whole, uh, payable account system with God. And, and what our, what our compensation should be. But what Jesus has made clear with what He has done through the work of the cross, with His teaching, and, and everything that He's given to fulfill the promise. He's shown us it's not because we first loved Him, it's because He first loved us. It's that we're shown a great mercy. We are given something that we do not deserve. That what is deserved is removed, and what is extended is a gift. And Paul says it's because of this that that God gave us this ministry of reconciliation. He was serving us to reconcile us to Him and now has entrusted us with that same message out of His mercy we were reconciled and out of His mercy we teach others that they can be reconciled. That is why we don't give up hope. Now I I want you to get the moment. I I said we're going to come back to that. That's why I read it twice. That because we have mercy, we don't give up. I want to ask you a question real quick on what's your reason of of being in church? What's your reason of following Christ? Is it because it, it seems that you are being fulfilled with something that you believe you're owed? Or is it really coming down to the point that I am totally wrecked by the mercy God gave me? Because if it's what you're owed, I will tell you this, you will give up. Because some kind of compensation, some kind of fair trade that you feel like you're entitled to will not be there one day. That attaboy, that handshake, that gratitude, that encouragement, one day it'll just go by and and it'll just be like, well, what did I even do that for? And if that's the system that you're extending your life of service, your life of devotion to Jesus... I'm going to tell you something. You're going to give up. You're going to get tired. You're going to feel you're too familiar for these things. You're going to say you're too weak for these things. You're going to say, I don't, I don't have enough resources for these things. I don't have enough time for these things. Because you're weighing out everything based on what you have and saying, does it add up for what I'm going to invest? But here's the thing. When we're building on that, we're all building on something that's just going to go away. It's just going to be an empty chest when we open it up. But whenever we build it on the mercy of God, something that is that is ever-present, something that is never-failing, something that is eternal, and we recognize it's because of what He has done and that He is never going to forsake that, that's why we don't give up. Church, do not build your hope on anything less than that. Because if you do, you will stop short. You will be in the marathon and you'll hit the wall and you'll say, I don't want to go any further. Because you're looking for something that you feel that you're owed. When what God has said is, I'm giving you the treasure that you can never repay. I've given you mercy. And I'm not even asking for repayment. There's no way you could do it in a minute. minute. Anyway. We see the reason for the treasures that we're shown great mercy and that we are called to a great ministry. We're shown a great mercy so that we see what we are saved from, but we also see what we're saved for. 
That's not an original. I've heard that from another pastor somewhere. So I don't want to be plagiarizing or anything like that. But it's such a truth. We need to realize that in God's mercy, what we're saved from, but we don't want to stop short of that and, or, or, or just stop at that and see what we're saved for. That we're saved for good works. We're saved to be God's masterpiece. We're saved and given reconciliation, being made right with God so that we may also pass this on to others. The mercy that was given to us does not stop with us. I heard a, a pastor speak this week I was listening to him and, and uh, one, of the, one of the moments just stuck out to me so powerfully. And, I, and man, it was so good and so rich and so simple that the Gospel only came to you because it was going to someone else. The Gospel only came to you because it was going to someone It came to you so that you would know it, but same, so that it would also go to someone else so that it would, then it would go to someone else. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that in 2,000 years of history since Jesus walked this earth and to where we are in the modern day, that there have been people that the gospel came to them as it was going to someone else and it got to a little boy, 11 years old, in New Albany, Mississippi, and then it finally clicked. A boy that had been in church pretty much from the time that he was born. And several people had to pass it on. But it finally clicked one day in, in a pastor's office, not because the pastor's words made sense more than anybody else, but God finally opened the door and, and, and my heart was able to hear that message and to finally get it. And because someone continued in that ministry, we are shown great mercy because we're called to a great ministry. Paul says we have this ministry because we've been shown mercy. It's been given to us because of God's mercy. And we do not give up. So not only are we called to a great mercy, a great mercy and, and a great ministry, but we are also propelled with great momentum. It's because of God's hope that, that if we build our hope on Him, what else would be a better fuel? What else would be a better fuel for our momentum? If our fuel is built on preferences or, or whatever else we might try to put in the tank, we're going to sputter. We're not going to be firing on all cylinders. When we have His hope, man, that's high octane. That's get it going. That we remember that it is His glory. Let's move on. What are some other things for us to consider? That's just the very first verse of chapter 4. We've got a lot to go through. The second thing that we must consider, consideration number two, if you will, is the rejection of this treasure. If this treasure is so good, and we talk about it being so good, how is it possible that there are those that reject it. I mean, think about it. If I were to pull up my wallet and say, hey, here's a $100 bill to anybody that wanted it. By the way, I'm not doing that because I don't have that kind of money in my wallet right now. <laughs> right now, <laughs> like ever. <laughs> but I think most of you would say, yeah, I'll take it. If you're offering it free, no, hand, no, no obligations, I, I want it. And I think about that, how incomparable the difference between the $100 bill in U.S. currency is to the eternal forgiveness and grace and glory given through Jesus Christ, and yet He offers it free. Free. Not You don't have to earn it. He offers it free. And yet people say, no, I don't want that. Why is that? Well, 
Paul presents two reasons why people would reject it. Something that is sometimes happens within the church to the shame of, of, of our ministry. Some things that happen outside the church. He says, this is part of my ministry that I, I, I refuse to adopt. I refuse to engage in this activity. I refuse to do this. He says, we renounce it. We put it away. We, we, we pretty much curse it, this kind of activity. And he says, this is the secret and shameful things. This is the, uh, the things that are, that are acting deceitfully and distorting the word of God. You see, I believe that one of the reasons people reject the gospel, unfortunately, is they witness those who are damagers of the gospel. And sometimes these are not people outside of a church building or a church facility or even outside of the church biblically, but they are false in their teaching. These are people that claim that if you'll follow me, I'll show you a secret that nobody else knows. That you're not going to get it in any other church. We have that one secret way. That special thing that will make you who you are. The Bible condemns that kind of talk, by the way. If you don't believe me, read Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3. When God denounces those who are followers of the Lady Jezebel that are teaching these secret wisdoms. That is not a secret wisdom. Paul says, no, I have been clear and forthright with you to the open display of the truth. He says, we're not going to do shameful things, things that are for self-gain. And it is sad that we live in a day and age, and I don't believe this is a day and age that's foreign, it's, it's a day and age that's manifested itself in many, many ways over the years, where people try to take advantage of those seeking after God for their own benefit. And they'll try to make their name more glorious, their ministry more glorious than that of Jesus. And if you'll send them just $25.99, you too can partake. And I will tell you this, there may be some that may disagree with me, but those that try to treat God like a vending machine, that if you'll just do this and you'll just do this and you'll push AE3, God will give you what you want. And dispense some kind of prosperity, happy meal type gospel that's full of feelies, feelies, and requires nothing on your benefit or requires very little, only a small monthly fee. That is a gospel that is not the gospel. It's a counterfeit. It is not good news. And some reject the true gospel because they see these counterfeits out there that are damaging. And some reject the gospel because they see people who claim to be born again followers of Christ and they may be, but somehow they've gotten on a hobby horse of something else, some issue, and they cannot let it go. Think I'm wrong? Go across the, your Facebook, if some of those of you are on social media. Of those that you would say, man, I know those are God-fearing people. And yet, if you go through their feed, you'll see how many times they've put people on blast. And it's like there's no grace at all 
for those who may not have yet trusted in Jesus. And we consider them enemies. There's only one enemy, folks. And that is the devil. Everyone else is someone on the enemy's side that has not yet received the grace of God that was extended to us as we once were. We must be careful whether or not we are causing damage and, and people are seeing witnessing damage to the gospel based on our life. Pretend that we have it all together and that if you'll just follow exactly how I live my life, because we're all perfect in how we demonstrate our faith in Jesus, that somehow they'll be a better person. Paul says we don't commend ourselves that way. We renounce that. We renounce that and we commend ourselves before God to everyone's conscience. We want to live a life that faithfully, graciously, gloriously communicates the open display of truth. Does that mean we ever need to sugarcoat or whitewash or, or empty the, the, the Scripture from its, its power and its potency? No. But we must remember that truth without grace is brutality. He just punches you in the face as if there's nothing you could ever do. But grace without truth is, is inhuman because it never shows which way we, God has called us to follow. This is one of the reasons there's a rejection of this treasure. Paul clearly explains it there. And he makes it known to the church that if you're carrying this ministry of reconciliation with you, if God has shown you this mercy so that you may show mercy... You've been freely given so you may freely give. Then these are things you must watch out for. These are traps. Walk wisely. The second way and the reason that this happens is because there is the work of the demonic opposed to the gospel. Yes, there is an enemy. We must not act as if he does not exist. But we also must not give more credit to them than he is due. (laughs) Greater is he who is in you than he is that is in the world. But Paul says, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. They're perishing. They're not enemies. They're dying. And in their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He's blinded them from seeing who Jesus is. This is the work of the demonic. I think about how Paul uses that word, they were blinded. If you remember, Paul had a little experience in the blinding area. He spent three days and three nights totally blinded, waiting, praying, knowing the last thing he had seen was the clear light of this Jesus who in His grace decided not to strike Him down even though he was a persecutor of the church, even though he was defamating to the gospel, God showed grace to him. He had spent time blind, and, and he's telling this, this church that there are people now outside the world, in, in the world, that the God of the saints, the enemy who has control of so many minds, is there blinding them, keeping them from seeing who Jesus is. And our job as the church is to help clearly be witnesses that are not seeking to damage the gospel, but clearly open up and say, see the image of God that is found in Jesus Christ 
alone. So they may know. Paul asks us to consider that when we think about the treasure, the reason that we have it, and the rejection of why others don't. And what are we going to do about it? That's the, that's the next elementary, let on question. What are we going to do about it if this is where people find themselves? Well, then we need to look at the third consideration, and that is the revelation. Paul says, for we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So when it comes to this treasure, there's the reason that we have it, there's the rejection of, of those that don't, and what, what we gotta do about it is we must pray that God would give them and use us in such a way that they would have the revelation of who He is. But Paul puts a warning here for us to consider. This comes not by proclaiming ourselves. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling people about what God did in your life. There's nothing wrong with telling about what God has done in your story. That is incredible experience and evidence. But if you miss out on sharing the gospel, basically what you're telling people is when you say God has done this in my life, God has done this in my life, God, well, you, God must consider you pretty special. God must have owed you something. You must have been a pretty swell guy. You must have been a pretty smart gal. Man, you, and they get so caught up. Some people, they believe in, 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 in a reincarnation. You must have done something in the afterlife, in your past life, that God just considers you special. And what they, what we're doing is unfortunately, if we stop short there, and we feel uncomfortable and awkward of getting to the gospel, of not because I am special, not because I am owed anything, not because God is my biggest fan, but because He showed mercy. And I cannot give up telling that message. What we end up doing is proclaiming ourselves and not Jesus Christ as Lord. The revelation must come by us being those that the gospel came to us because it was going to someone else. And we must be saying, God has done this work not because I'm anyone special, not because I'm anyone owed, not because I did some great work or I'm called to some great purpose and God has to do this to get me on His level. No, it's because Jesus showed mercy to me and I don't want to proclaim to myself. I, I will tell you what God has done in my life. Paul did that. He shared about his testimony. He shared about the account on the road. He shared about these things. But it was always going and never stopping short of getting to Jesus Christ as Lord. And he did that because of where he placed himself. Ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. See, when we put ourselves in the place of a servant... I mean, I may physically be getting on our knees. We're looking and we're being those ambassadors and saying, I want your goodwill. And Jesus has put me in a place to, to help you get to that place where you see who he is. That's my role. For Jesus' sake and for your goodwill. I want you to see this. I'm willing to get down on that level 
to be a servant. And this is not just for those who are called to some vocation. Every single believer has been called to be a witness and to be carriers of this ministry of reconciliation. None of us are without excuse. And we must pray for that kind of revelation that God would use us in such a way to clearly communicate who He is. Not just what He has done in our life so that people look and think, well, they must be special and I'm not. But to show that God showed us mercy and then to demonstrate who He is. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Paul tells us this. But how can they hear unless someone speaks it to them? And how can someone speak it to them unless they are sent? And how can someone be sent unless they go? Why does the message stop short? Because we must be out there sharing the Gospel we don't. The proclamation of Jesus is not there. Think about it this way. If you have a dependency on others to do the job for you, think about it this way. How many of you pretty much know there are people in your life that are never going to turn on a Christian radio station? Well, there's a way that's out. They're not going to get it that way. How many of you know, no matter how many times you try to get them to read a Bible on their own, I'm not saying this, the chances are it won't happen, but the chances are pretty good that it won't happen. Just say, you need to read the Bible. You need to get the Bible. Okay? But you probably know that that person's probably not going to do that. How many of you know that, hey, I'm going to share my pastor's Facebook message and you should listen. That they may click it for a moment, but they'll probably go on to something else that's on YouTube. Here's the problem with that. If your dependency is on someone else to get it there, you may not be seeing how God has placed you as the role of a servant in that place. Want somebody to hear the message? Take and open the Scripture with them. Don't just invite them to church. Bring them. Because I know what the inviting goes. Oh, I want you to come to my church. Oh, cool. What day are you going to be there? Oh, um, I don't know what day I'm going to be there. So, we'll figure it out. Sorry, I just stepped on my own toes a little bit there. I've been there. I've been that person. I have. The Gospel comes by proclamation of Himself and asking God to shine the light that He is able to shine in the darkness. The very light that was shown in our hearts. The only way we could ever know the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. These are things to consider when it comes to this treasure. You don't have it because... You earned it. It was God's mercy. And that's enough for us to never give up because we realize that that's something that will never disappoint if we actually build our hope on it. We realize that we could be those people that are rejecting 
if we had tuned our ears to listen to the ones that are damaging the gospel or, or refused to, to listen and, and have our eyes blinded by the demonic, we could have been those people who had not had the treasure because someone was trying to tell us about a whole testimony, but they forgot the gospel. But God showed mercy to us and revealed to Himself. And all of a sudden, what was once dark, what was once empty, was filled with the light of Him. It was clear that I see Jesus' face, that He is who He says He is, that He does what He says He will do, and that I've placed my trust in His hands alone. And now when I consider the treasure I have, why would I want to build my life or fill my life with anything more? We're going to stop there this Sunday. So now you have a reason to come back next week. This is the treasure we have in Jesus. But the question is, are we treasuring Jesus? Do we consider Him just a noun? Oh, He's something I have. Or is He something we have and a part of who we are and what we do? That out of what He has done for us, about who He is as the treasure, we now have this activity of treasuring and cherishing Him. We're going to look further at what that means next week, but as we move forward to this time, we're going to pray and have a time of invitation. Lord God, I pray that in this moment, as we think upon who you are and your incredible grace that was given to us <laughs> as unworthy as we are, I thank you that your love is that rich. I'm thankful that we don't have to grovel around as worms but You invite us to be Your adopted children, enveloped with grace, lavished with love, fully gifted with Your kindness, fully provided for that good work You have called us to, fully equipped as we grow in the knowledge of You. Thank You that that is the richness of grace, the treasure we have when we place our trust in You, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God, help us to not only consider that, consider who you are, but God, help us apply it to our life. In every facet, in every place, God, help us to trust you, to have, let you have your way with all of it. I don't know what people in this room may be celebrating or struggling with. That God, whatever it is we have in our life in our hands, let us place it in yours as the one we treasure in Jesus' name. Amen.